everyone. Welcome to Fire and Forte. Today we're talking about finances and it is super important to have our eyes wide open when it comes to our finances. You may be familiar with some of the stats. As women, we tend to walk away from our careers with less superannuation, less national insurance. So same thing if you're in UK or Australia than our male counterparts. It was recently reported in Australia that this difference is 24%. So we're walking away with 24% in our pensions for our retirement, the male counterparts. Now, we've probably all read a lot that those gaps in employment when we have children uh, being one of the main drivers of that causes that gender gap. The other part of this is what we're like and how responsible we are with our finances. I recently did a Fire and Forte survey where women over 40, so the very kind respondents that filled that in, said that finances were their number two concern to focus on and the number one thing that they wish they'd told their younger selves to do, get saving. My guest today is the founder of Financial Respect. Catherine, and we're calling that to protect her identity, works in the financial services, but was also in a relationship where financial abuse occurred. We'll find out more about this story, but it's incredible that we can share this. And I'm really grateful to Catherine, who I'll introduce in a moment. The message that we want to share here is how we can make sure that we've got our eyes wide open when it comes to our finances. And also, sadly, if we're in a relationship that we're really taking ownership wherever we can of those finances because some people don't have the best intentions and you've been working for decades now, you want to make sure that you've got that money, especially if separation or divorce happens. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us at Fire and Forte. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Hannah. I'm, I'm doing really well, thank you. It's exciting to be here. Now, you're the founder of Financial Respect, which I came across a few months ago, and wow, it has really engaged an audience. So uh, you're in your early 40s. What led you to setting up Financial Respect? And also, actually, can you explain to the audience what it is? Yeah, so it's it's an educational Instagram account that I established because um, I think, first of all, women, as you've already mentioned, um, often don't feel as in control of their financial situation as they deserve to be or as what they would like. Um, a lot of women rely on their partners to take control of this. A lot of women are dominated on this when they might not want to be as well. But regardless of the reason, I think everybody deserves to be empowered to achieve their financial goals and to know their worth. And I set up the account um, because I did leave an, an abusive relationship. And one of the things that shocked me the most was, particularly on reflection, that I had actually been financially abused. And the reason this was so shocking to me was because I um, not only work in financial services, and I've got a degree in economics and finance and been working in the field for more than 20 years. Um, you know, I managed all of our family money. I ran all of our accounts, paid the bills. I honestly felt that I was in control and certainly my partner was, was happy for me to take that control as well. But I honestly thought I had um, a grip across everything and knew what we were doing and that we were, we had joint goals. And to find out that that actually wasn't the case and that tactics had been used behind my back to abuse um, the situation was just shocking to me and I guess I just felt like if it can 
happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And so I really just started my account to educate, validate and empower people that are going through this or suspect that they might be going through this as well. And the reason I chose Instagram um, as the primary place to launch my financial respect account is because Instagram accounts um, that talk about abuse and toxic relationships are totally what helped me seek the help that I needed to change my situation and, and get my power back. Yeah. Very true. I mean, there's a huge number of groups over there and I can see the amount of attention and people that seem to really feel as though your account is talking to them so it it must be a a safe a safe um a safe place now if we talk about uh the the toxic relationship part of that was that something that you quietly suspected was happening at what point do you know if you're in a toxic relationship Yeah, look, a lot of it is grey area and that's the reason I think um, people stay. Um, it's not usually bad all the time. Um, it might It's usually good some of the time and that gives you hope that the person you fell in love with and were planning a future with will come back and treat you in the right way again and respect you again. So it is very insidious and you live for those good moments and you kind of gaslight yourself into thinking that the relationship is is okay, you know, because it gives you what you need some of the time and you kind of can forget your worth quite easily. Um, you've really got to know what your boundaries are and um, uphold those because if you're not prepared to um, to stand up for yourself, then it actually keeps eroding over time. Like what might seem like giving into something little in the beginning, you know, if you're with an abusive partner, they'll take advantage of that and they can actually see that as a sign of weakness and things will just get progressively worse from there. And at some point you, you kind of just take a step back and realise, oh, my goodness, this is how far it's gone. Um, and at, at some point you're the one that's got to make the decision to, to get out of that and demand better. Um, yeah, because ultimately it's very unlikely anybody else is going to come along and save you. So a lot of what I'm doing is about that empowerment aspect. And also every single thing that I post on my account is things that would have helped me when I was in it. Every single post is just so personal for me. And I'm also taking on board um, my follower feedback. I regularly ask just like you do for feedback on what they'd like to cover. And, you know, some of those things are what what blows up the most. And some of them make me think, oh, yeah, wow, that was an important point. Let's talk about that. Let's get the conversation going. What a safe space. You've created a community that can feel really safe when people might not want to talk about this with other people. In terms of for you and talking to other people, was that something that you felt safe to do? Because I suppose Instagram is to some degree anonymous and people might not judge you in the same way. Is is it an area where you found that you can or did get any advice or support from friends or family when you kind of suspected things weren't right? Yeah, you know, there's always an element of concern over putting yourself out there. Um, I've kept um, kept as much as I can on the anonymous side of things just to kind of give me the security to really be honest and upfront because it just won't work unless you are honest and make yourself vulnerable on these things. Um, I'm quite used to, I guess I always like to speak my mind and speak out there and advocate on issues that are important to me. Um, 
you know, this isn't my first survivor rodeo. Um, I went through breast cancer when I was 29 and I was living in England at the time and I became an advocate for, for young women um, knowing that um, this can happen to you even if you've got none of the risk factors as well. And I did quite a bit of media and publication work at that time as well. So I just kind of feel like this is my next battle and it's just too important a message to be quiet on. Um, I really want to have an impact and just help others and, and help others feel like they're not um, completely disempowered on this and that there are steps they can take. It's an incredible story of courage. And I personally believe as we get older and in our 40s, notably, we might have the life experience and also the courage to actually go make the world better. And I really do think that's what you're doing. Oh, thank you. So you're, you're, you're hugely uh, sending a really important message out there and actually um, crazy that you've already been through breast cancer as well. Um, yeah, I've been in remission for... Um... 15 years now so it's it's amazing and it was a we got it fairly early it hadn't spread so um it again it, it I can kind of draw similarities I feel like when you go through something as major as breast cancer you feel like it can really define you and the example I think is when you meet new people I remember for the first few years I felt like I was keeping this huge secret until I told them that's what I had and in hindsight you know that probably wasn't the most rational thought but now that I've gone through you know domestic violence and financial abuse I kind of feel the same way but it's a lot more of a taboo topic it's finances aren't something that people readily talk about so putting yourself out there um um, is probably a bit more adventurous and a bit more brave, I think, than the breast cancer story. But like in, in any case, I do, I do see that there are some similarities there. And when it came to being honest with yourself about the relationship and moving on, did you get any support from friends or family? Or is that the part that you really did keep close to, to yourself? Because yeah, I, yeah. I imagine relationships as can be quite lonely if you especially if you need to keep up a facade to yeah. a local community for example yeah absolutely look I'm incredibly lucky to have amazing support um you know in Australia we've got um 1-800-RESPECT that I was calling I had my local women's and community shelter that put me in touch with counselling as well um, I had a clinical psychologist that was supporting me throughout but I've also got an incredible family support network I've got incredible friends I've got an incredible workplace like uh, in in terms of that like I could not have come out of things better and, and then that's thanks to this the structures I had around me but it's absolutely right that um, you don't tend to talk about it too early on um, you know I kept things to myself for a long time and there are a number of factors there I think a lot of people in my situation feel a lot of shame and the shame stems from the fact that this person that you have chosen that is apparently going to make you the most important in their person in their lives and give you all the respect that you deserve is actually not treating you right and there's a lot of shame there that how could you have gone so wrong and and I also think that because you've still got those memories of usually they have presented an amazing person to you at the start and that's what made you fall in love. You continually have this hope that if there's something that you can do different or something that you can fix, that that person will come back. Um, so you don't want to go telling tales only to realise that, you know, that was only a short-term thing and that the, that the person you love returns because once those stories are out there, your loved ones will never forget them and you fear that they may never forgive them even if you decide to. So you're usually very cautious about what you tell people. And I think the other factor is that, yeah, you absolutely you don't see it all at the time. A lot of it is hidden abuse. It's coercive control. And if, if it was easy to see, then everybody would get out early on, but it's not easy to see and it can be very covert and difficult to identify. So 
so that's just some of the factors I think that that make you make the journey a bit longer than what it um, would be if, if it was obvious. But once you do make that decision to have that support network there is just incredible. I suppose that it's at times some of the people might find it difficult to empathize and I suppose it's a little bit when you're seeing a not very nice guy. I think a lot of people want to see the best in people, don't they? Oh, well, maybe yes. they don't mean it that way. And I'm wondering if that can be the case, if you were to share something like this is going on. Do, do we avoid this quite dark, kind of difficult to grasp situation maybe? And maybe that's one of the areas that makes it an uncomfortable yeah. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously a lot of people want the the typical family and the happy family and, you know, it, it doesn't make us all self-absorbed to want to present that image out there. And I think you do a really good job of convincing yourself that's what you do have. Um, but behind the scenes, things can be crumbling and it can just take some time to acknowledge that and accept that that's, what ha- that's what's happening. Um, you know, when I met my partner, I was a very confident person. I had succeeded in a lot of parts of my life. But, yeah, I absolutely wanted a family. And, um, you know, we met in our mid to late 30s. Um, of course, I had the, the ticking time bomb, I suppose, but I absolutely adored this person and had fallen head over heels. At no point did I think that I was settling just to get the family and the and the baby. You know, I genuinely thought it was true love. Um, but, you know, I guess other people might um, force a relationship um, on that basis as well. Um, but I can't say that was me at the time. And I guess you can gaslight yourself. I've heard that saying that I'm so in love that doesn't seem right that this person would be treating yeah. me right. And, and like right. you said earlier, we've had this amazing relationship. We've had some, he, he's he's so amazing that you probably think this can't be happening. I can really imagine how jarring that would have been. That's right. That's absolutely right. That's very true. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure it's really difficult, but I think that it will strike a chord with a lot of women, sadly. Or maybe if you think something doesn't feel quite right, it is actually worth just thinking about and maybe observing and at least being a little bit honest with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, you're doing so much to enable women's empowerment and education around their finances and it's such important work. I wanted to understand from you why it's so important that women understand their finances, but also what you what you are asking them to do and how they can go about it. Yeah, well, finances, whether we know it or not, drive a lot of decisions in our lives. It's always there in, in the background. Um, if pretty much every decision that you make will have some, some form of reliance. Um, on money. Um, so I just think it's in, in, very important for everybody to be aware of and, and feel empowered about. Um, you've already spoken about the gender pay gap and women retiring with less super. When we look at family dynamics, that's really what's driving this. Um, you know, women are still taking on most of the childbearing responsibilities. Um, we're still taking a step back when it comes to our careers. Men's, men's careers can sometimes take priority over ours. It's very difficult for couples to both be successful succeeding and both be um, achieving everything they can in their careers whilst also maintaining a happy and comfortable family home. At some point, something's got to give. And the, the the statistics show that that's typically women that take a step back and actually do a lot more unpaid work as well around the house. Even women that work full time, it's shown that they still take on the majority of the household work as well. So there's a big gap when it comes to, to financial and also non-financial contributions to relationships. So I think it's really important to be aware of that. 
But I think for women to know how to save, invest and budget, these are just such fundamentals that we should never be leaving up to chance or delegating to somebody else. You know, especially when you meet someone in your 30s or your 40s, you've been working often for decades. You know, why would you be trying to do everything right and set yourself up for success only to completely lose that because you've made the wrong relationship decision. It's just unfathomable to me now that that we can end up in this situation. It's just so incredibly high risk. And I think just knowing that you've got a seat at the table, knowing what your boundaries are, absolutely knowing what the red flags are as well is your best chance of protecting yourself from this. But I think everybody deserves to aspire to financial freedom and having a secure future and what they want and what does that look like. And everybody should deserve to feel empowered to know how to get there. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. You can obviously educate yourself. Ideally, you should be doing that with your partner. The, the, the dream is to be flourishing together and to be having joint goals. I mean, this can be a real value add in your relationship, something to work on together. You can obviously also employ a financial planner and have those conversations with a third party to help you get there as well. You know, it doesn't need to be something that's hidden under the table and not spoken about it. It should absolutely be front and centre and something that you even check in with and set up regular catch-ups with your partner, maybe even included on a date night once a month. You know, th there shouldn't be any hiding behind this. So I think transparency and equality and respect are just so important when it comes to having these conversations. Amazing advice there. I also think the financial date night is <laughs> a really good idea. Do you think, what's your view of joint accounts, can I ask? Yeah, so a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the best way to set up your finances? Absolutely, I think joint accounts can work um, in the right scenario. I think um, there's always also a case for having a joint account and then your own personal bank accounts as well. Um, you know, I would my number one tip is for every single person in a relationship to, at a minimum, have a bank account in their name. It's amazing how many women in particular I've spoken to that don't even have that. They actually closed it down when they got married and all they've got is a joint account. And I think that's quite a dangerous position to be in, especially if you do end up looking down the barrel of divorce or leaving, you know, at the minimum, you should have that account that you can start putting savings into and setting yourself up because you might never know what your partner is actually doing off to the side. So I think that's the absolute minimum. Um, I think that, you know, again, it comes back to that transparency, equality and respect. If that is there, then it actually doesn't matter so much how your bank accounts and finances are set up, because if you've got that trust element there, then I think that that's great. Um, but in saying that, you know, abusers can um, take advantage and be really hiding things from you. So if I had my time again, I would absolutely set things up differently. I think a great way to do this is to have joint accounts, but to also have a separate account. So you might get paid into your personal account and then you both agree to transfer an equal and transparent and respectful amount into the joint account. Maybe if one of you is earning more, the other one less, maybe you do it proportionately. But ultimately just having these conversations and having that understanding and actually following through, I think is the most important part of that conversation. I think that's brilliant advice. And yet I've almost imagined it being quite a difficult conversation if or when your partner discovers that you're setting up your own account, you might have been married for 10 years. Why are you, why are you setting up an account? Because can that set off someone, whether you're in a safe relationship or not, or 
any kind of insecurity to say, are you basically yeah. planning to leave me? Because that could be what triggers the yeah. other person. Do you yeah. in any way have any advice for how to bring up that conversation? Yeah. So absolutely. So if you're in a safe and trusting and stable relationship, then you should feel comfortable and confident telling your partner, I'm doing this. You know, I've been educating myself and empowering myself and reading up on finances. And this is just something that's really important to me, you know, and maybe you can talk to them about how you plan to use that account or what it's there for. And likewise, if they've got a personal account, they should be sharing that with you as well. It's just about having the conversation. If, however, you're setting up that personal bank account, because you have recognized that you're in an abusive, toxic relationship and you are planning on leaving, then I don't think you should necessarily share that with your abuser. I think you should keep that to yourself and be very careful about how you go about setting that up. But there's no reason for them to be notified. This is something that you can go walk into any bank and do for yourself tomorrow. And if this is just something that you feel you need to do because you're on that journey of leaving and you're planning, then absolutely, I'd I'd suggest keeping it close to your chest and just having it there as a safety net for yourself. You may also be in the position where if you are working and you are receiving an income at very late notice, you do have to notify your employer to divert your salary to this new bank account as well. So at a minimum, that's a good reason to have that account set up and ready to go. And guaranteed, if you're in an abusive relationship, they're probably thinking along the same lines as well. I think a really important point is the fact that you also might not know you're in a financially abusive relationship, because as you referred to earlier, I think you realized after you got out of your relationship that financial abuse had occurred. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, it was when you when you split up and you're going through the divorce proceedings, you need to share your financial disclosure with each other. And it was only then that it hit me in the face what had been happening right underneath my nose the whole time. Um, And it was just such inequality. Um, Just as an example, I was made to be completely transparent and explain every single cent in my bank accounts. It was quite shocking at times. Um, Yet then when I got his financial statements, he'd actually been hiding hundreds and hundreds of dollars every single paycheck into an account that I didn't even know existed for that purpose. So, um, you know, it's a classic um, reversal um, of the the abuse. You know, they'll claim that you're doing things that they're actually doing themselves. But it was only with hindsight as well. You know, there's quite, that's obviously an overt type of abuse, but there's other covert abuses that can be going on that you can't recognise at the time as well. So it's things like you know questioning you on why did you take cash out of the atm today you know why what what are you going to spend that cash on right through to dictating where and how you should be spending your money for example they might tell you what brands of clothing they like or where they like you to get your hair cut and then if you go and buy clothes anywhere else or go to a different hair salon they can belittle your decisions and tell you that was wrong and and over time without even being aware of it it can just wear you down and actually start controlling the way that you spend money you may feel that you need to to hide perhaps how you're spending that money because it's not worth the questioning and and the the abuse and the rage that can follow if you're not following their orders I suppose so there's lots of different aspects um to it and absolutely it's like the frog in the the boiling water you know if you you turn the water's just turned up so gradually you don't know to jump out um but you know hindsight and education on this and knowing what others have been through is just so important for that reason as well 
I think as well, anything for an easy life. So actually, if you're smoothing things over, as you said earlier, for a family life and you want this cohesive, you want a nice home and relationship. Therefore, actually, it's only a a haircut. It's only a request that I don't see this friend this night. And so you keep smoothing it over. I recently heard a really good tip that someone said to me, they started to think that they weren't being treated quite right. And she told me this was months afterwards that she'd started to write these things down on the phone. And she said, I've started to look back at what was going on. And she said, I've seen this happen over the last X many months. And I actually thought that was really good because we all might want a happy relationship, but sometimes you really have to own up with that comment wasn't right. That's right. And that's one of the tips, one of the first tips I gave on my financial respect page is documentation is everything. If not for the authorities um, or for the lawyers, even just for yourself, because identifying this behavior, identifying the patterns can really bring it to life and make you see more of what it is, what it is. To know that it's not an isolated incident, to know that this has been happening on a regular basis can be really empowering for yourself and make make just be the difference in knowing that you've got to make a change and do something to, to change things up and deserve better for yourself. And with groups like yours, you're not alone. So mm. if you admit it to yourself, it's better in the long run and there are these anonymous groups. That's right. Talking about the empowerment aspect of it, with everything that you've talked about, about saying, actually, I'm interested in my savings and my investments. And even if you've been in a relationship that's had this joint account, whether we're in a relationship or not, actually, let it be now that we take some ownership over our finances. And that is easier than ever now in the fact that you can invest on apps on your phone uh you can get involved in crypto and just get some knowledge of 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 saving there and so therefore actually in relationship or not getting educated is probably a responsibility that you need to do and so much easier than you realize that's right and that's one of the messages that I always talk about is it's never too late so for people sitting there thinking oh it's already too late I've let my partner run the finances for the last 20 years I can't step up now and say I want a part of that it's absolutely wrong it is never too late to ask for a seat at the table it is never too late to establish a new boundary you should be able to communicate with your partner about what is important to you and what you'd like to have a role in and if your partner isn't receptive to that or belittles you for that, or tells you you're too stupid for that, or to leave it all to them, then that is a major red flag. And really, I think it's the red flags you need to be on the lookout for. But you're absolutely right. It has never been easier. And this should be stuff that you're talking about together and and flourishing together with and making decisions on together. I mean, this is this is your financial future. This tells you how it helps you be the parent that you want to be it helps you have the lifestyle that you want to be it helps you have the career and the holidays and everything else that falls into place to give you that financial security and that future that you desire so there's really no more an important conversation to have than to than to have this and and you know ultimately if your partner rejects that idea then that's something that you need to really reflect on and consider very seriously 
very helpful to mention some of those red flags and the conversation where you say, let's make finances part of date night. That also can give some visibility as well. And whether you're in a relationship or not, I think having, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or some kind of documentation, say, what do I want my life to look like? And how am I going to get there? You know, okay. Yeah, do we put that in? Do we put a certain amount of that monthly in and how are we getting there? Because then money becomes much more motivating than demystifying. That's absolutely right. That's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I need to take that, that advice myself, obviously. <laughs> I think there's an element of that always. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, isn't the first time that you've shown bravery and courage, as you referenced earlier, not only did you go through breast cancer, but you're also really courageous in, in sharing the story. And this time you've gone straight to ensure that you can make a movement to help other women. I'm keen to know if you're naturally a strong person <laughs> or whether these circumstances have, have, have how they've pushed you into doing these things. Um. You know what? I reckon I've always been a pretty strong person. Um, I was one of four siblings and always had to make sure my voice was heard. Um, but you know, I you know I had I was very lucky to grow up in a very loving family environment, and we were always encouraged to to speak up and and have our opinions heard. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't meet my partner as I said until my mid thirties. So absolutely, you know, I was succeeding in my career. Um, I was very confident. Um, I've always had quite a big um, public profile in my career and I think that brought confidence as well. You know, I, I know I'm very good at what I do and I'm not afraid to to hide behind that and it gives me, you know, I've always had ambition and it gives me great drive to, to keep succeeding there. So how on earth I ended up in a relationship that took that away from me and, you know, it was only, it was six years so it wasn't decades long like a lot of people stuck that feel very stuck. You know, I did manage to clamber my way out and I feel like perhaps now I'm making up for lost time a bit that, that I did lose in that that six years um so you know as I said if it can happen to me it can happen to anybody and I'm just so passionate about sharing my learnings and taking people on the journey with me because it's very rare that you'll wake up overnight and just think yeah I deserve better I'm not I'm worthy of more than this um, I'm not being listened to I'm not being respected to it takes a long time and accounts like mine if we can just help validate and educate and let you know that you're part of a community I just think it can make all the difference because I know that's what made the difference for me and it's it's a balance you know every single day you know I'm fighting to to find my fire and my strength you know I'm learning to trust my gut again I know that if something doesn't feel right I'm going to know my worth and get get that worth back again I'm not going to stay in a, in a situation that puts me in that position anymore um, I'd like to think that I'm learning a lot through this process as well. And, and it's just so important to me. And like you say, if it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone. So we need to remove that inner shame and just mm -hmm. and acknowledge it. Thank yeah. you for, for sharing that. You referenced the recovery, I suppose, of coming out of, of six years of that. And I would argue that it can impact you if you've been through it for a few months. So a few That's years is going to take a long time to unwind. From a mental health point of view and a recovery point of view, as well as your, your lifestyle, I suppose, is there anything that you can share that you're you're doing or you would advise for other women to maybe do as they build themselves back up? Yeah, this is an area that's just so important to me. Um, you know, 
it's it's I guess it's the usual stuff, but just prioritizing it. So it's exercise, it's being outdoors, it's this concept of grounding as well. That was probably my number one trauma therapy takeout is grounding or earthing. So that's your feet being in touch with the earth every day. And there's a lot of Chinese med- medicinal reasons behind this, but ultimately you can really help restore your energy from being in touch with the earth and it helps to keep you in the present moment and I think when you've had so much going on like this you can really get stuck in your mind and be just things go around and around and take up way too much air time than what they deserve to be so I think just being outdoors is really where I get my energy from and on the exercise front you know I've got so physically fit the last few years I think being physically fit made me um, feel more courageous and strong to leave the relationship in the first place and it's not something I've let slide now that I'm out of it either Um, you know I think sweating almost every day is just such great medicine Um, you know just and particularly now I'm a single mom so knowing I can pick up my child um, if he has a if they have a tantrum when we're out about knowing that I can walk a kilometre or two if I need to. It just makes me feel really empowered to be able to do that. I think the other thing is as well is I've really assessed my friendship circle. Um, You know, I make sure that I prioritise spending time with family and friends that fill my cup. So I'm very fortunate. I've got a wide group of friends um, from all different parts of my life um, and all over the world. And, you know, those that I walk away from a conversation feeling cup-filled, really happy, um, like that was a really great use of time and that, you know, we obviously just get along really well. You know, that's something that I'm um, trying to to spend time on as well. I think the other thing that's important is I've really embraced simplicity and minimalism. When you've had so much noise going on in your head, it can just be nice to have that uh, air in your mind to just not think about more stuff. I mean, I've had more stuff um in my life and that and that doesn't bring happiness so I'm now just focusing on just keeping things really simple and that does actually feed in really nicely to meeting your financial goals and taking that power back um you know I'm now in complete control of that again and to think that I can be I can live life simply in the way that I want to I don't have to keep up with the Joneses I don't have to meet anybody else's expectations anymore and to think that that's going to tie in so nicely with meeting financial goals as well that's really it's really amazing and something I'm loving at the moment too that's fantastic they really do all interweave don't they there is nothing like a girl squad to get you through the tough times yes. but it doesn't mean that you have to all be tarted up going out for expensive cocktails and things that, that you maybe had to do before actually that was a good thing of covid wasn't it you often had yes. these valuable walks and yes. conversations and you were saving money and you thought that's actually a good thing yes that's right Dinner parties have made a comeback as well. I love to cook. That's a real outlet for me and just having friends around for dinner. Um, Yeah, we, you know, I I encourage everybody to come over here for a meal instead of going out. It absolutely saves money and it's something I love to do as well. Everything from the meal planning to the grocery shopping to the cooking and then obviously the company on the night. There's nothing better for me than that. And then you can actually have your boundaries around friends that maybe don't mind squandering their cash as much because you can say, actually, yeah. this is I'm going to offer dinner instead of this really yeah. expensive meal out. And I think it's so important because it is your money at the end of the day. That's right. Thank you for talking to us today. I think there's not only so much clarity and information that can be used practically, but there's a really strong message that if you think or you know you are going through something like that or you are recovering from something like this, you're not alone. 
And by sharing your story, you're also really helping other women show that how, how they can build their way out of it because there is a very different future ahead. So um, just thank you for all of the work that you're doing, really. And thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much, Hannah. It's been great to chat this morning. Thank you. 